This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. Swan's Crossing welcomes Mila Rosnowski. not having covid i ended up not having covid yes uh and uh this week i got my first vaccination shot yay so, paul got his too yeah. we're so excited i'm i'm friggin' over the moon oh my god it's the light yeah. at the end of the tunnel it's so nice oh less than a month until i get my second shot so like less than six weeks until until it's over <laughs> until it's over <laughs> for me uh yeah how are you doing i'm doing great i got the johnson and johnson shot so now my mom is convinced i'm gonna have blood clots and she's constantly texting me about it i'm like mom relax it's fine <laughs> yeah it it really is also you now know what all the symptoms are supposed to be so you can catch that shit early. yeah yeah <laughs> ah good times oh. well are you ready to right. you ready to roll on this shit show let's do it okay here we are. We're back again with Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I am Libby Grant. And I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. And we just watched episode five of this bizarre soap opera for children. Libby, this one was rough. I, so it was rough for me. Listen, Nathan, I know it was rough for you. I I feel that. I felt it in your frantic email you sent me about how weird it was. <laughs> um, You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, and and to, to put this in perspective, we've been doing, we've been, rec this is our fifth episode. So we've been recording these podcasts for over a month at this point. But in real time, when this was coming out, this, this episode was the end of week one. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is so. uh, the culmination that children lived through in the first exciting week of viewing this thrilling new TV show made just for them. So these middle schoolers went into the weekend on a tremendous cliffhanger. Yes, they did. Uh, can you imagine how this must have wrenched at them? Because there, there's some wild shit that happens at the end of this episode. I, I am. Let's get into let's it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's. All right. Now, you made some predictions, as is our, our tradition at, at the last, at the closing of last episode. Uh, I'm going to review these predictions with you so we can all laugh at how completely wrong you were about all of them. Well, not entirely, because mm -hmm. you did predict that the 4th of July celebration would actually happen. Okay. Yeah, I, I predicted, I predicted, I felt pretty good about my predictions, actually, from last yeah, week. Yeah, so. you know, <laughs> they weren't bad. I will say that. I, I maligned you unfairly. You also predicted everyone would see Callie and think that she was Mila. Okay, we'll get to that. Crushed yeah, it. Yeah. Um, you predicted Jimmy discovers that Callie is the hot biker who was haunting his daydreams earlier. Uh, Sydney will try to make nice with Callie slash Mila. You uh, predicted, I don't know exactly how you phrased this, but what I wrote is JT slash glory engender more sexy sax music. Okay. <laughs> 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 Which I was wrong about. There is, there is, I don't think there's any sexy sax music for JT and, and Glory in this. Uh, there episode. was definitely some inappropriate sax music, though, which we will get to. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, you predicted that Owen and Sandy give their performance at the 4th of July celebration, and Sydney would find some way to ruin their performance in order to uh, maintain the center of attention. You predicted that the bird that Garrett found belongs to Mila, and that it would be Garrett's in to, to meet her. And that the turban dudes, the Baldies, who we saw at the end of episode four, would get closer to JT and Neil, but they would be looking for Professor Van. Okay. Uh, uh, All right. Well, we do indeed open on the gear up for the 4th of July celebration, which is down at the pier, which is kind of this like nice old timey looking place. Uh, Not unlike the waterfront in our town, actually, but... uh, and yeah, go ahead. Like our town, it is entirely uh, like hosed down in red, white, and blue bunting. Yes. It cannot be overstated how Friday Harbor, Washington, loses its ever-loving mind on the Fourth of July every year. It is uh, revoltingly patriotic. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just everywhere. It is terrible. It's beautiful. <laughs> I I put in my notes, uh, the waterfront where the celebration is held looks not unlike our town, but everyone is even richer. <laughs> to be fair, most of the rich people on our island don't live in the town itself. They're up at Roach Harbor, which is a resort on the north end of the island. Or or just somewhere on the coast. Yeah, on the west side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we see Owen drumming on a practice pad, and because I have dated more percussionists than anyone should date in a single lifetime, I can tell you that Owen looks like he's learning how to drum pretty well, but is not yet at the point where he's ready for prime time, so I don't know why he's going to be playing backups for Roxanne, but okay. Uh, great, great question. Also, is this the actual band Roxanne? I don't know! I tried looking up pictures of them from the early 90s to see if I could kind of compare, and I think it is. I think this was, like, their cameo appearance. Oh, my gosh. It, because these these guys are absolutely not playing their instruments no. in the show. They're definitely not yeah, playing their amazing. instruments, but, um, but also it might be Roxanne. I mean, Roxanne only had one hit, and then they vanished back into the ether of the, the late 80s uh, ether. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm looking at This is why I work with professional uh, editors. <laughs> yeah, did like look that these, Google that shit. Did they appear on Swan? Yeah. Um I am trying Roxanne. to Roxanne. I mean they these guys on the internets have a lot of hair. A lot more hair than Yeah, I am I am not I am not convinced that they are the same guys on the episode. But they might be. It's very difficult to tell. I mean, the, if they if they are the same guys, they have been seriously Swans Crossing eyesed for the episode. They've been cleaned up. Oh my god. Okay, Roxanne is still together. Uh, they have a website that makes them look very badass for a bunch of middle aged rockers, and they put out their second album in 2018. <laughs> so they what? had one album in 1988. Another one, like, 30 years later. <laughs> I mean, that's staying power. That is. You gotta give it to them. Um, yeah, it says, new album release, Radio Silence is the sophomore release from the LA-based rock band Roxanne, and I looked at their website to verify that it is, in fact, the same Roxanne uh, as we know and love from back then. And, I mean, the lead singer guy kind of looks like the guy who's talking to Owen in this scene, so I think it is it Roxanne. All right. I'm, I'm, Okay. All right. All right. Well, this is the content people are here for to listen to us do our research. 
I'll edit most of it out, but I'll definitely include some because <laughs> this is this is heavy people, hitting. People stuff. love my typing noises. <laughs> they're they're not as good as Neil's typing noises though. <laughs> Let me see if okay. I can replicate Neil's typing for the for the people at home. I hope you picked that up on my microphone. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it on yeah, the We'll see if it recorded. Anyway, the coach is hanging out with JT and Neil, and Neil tests his remote fireworks triggering device. The coach acts like this is a brilliant new invention, but I'm pretty sure they've been in use for as long as humans have mastered electricity, because there are few things more dangerous than setting off a bunch of fireworks all at once. You want to get away from that shit. Also, can I point out that we we see in this scene, it is demonstrated that Neil can count down without T minuses. <laughs> ah! He counts down from four very quickly with no T minuses. Neil, what are you doing? And then we get sound effects. Uh, they're making a big deal, like they're seeing a lot of fireworks go off. It's obviously the middle of the day. And then we cut to the we cut to the fireworks and it is nighttime. It's nighttime and also it's not fireworks. It's like stock footage of a dynamite explosion. <laughs> and there's like some little bottle rocket sound effects over the top of it. Yeah. It's not fireworks. It looks way more smoke than fireworks. <laughs> So that's exciting. Then we're at the sub where Callie, who has dressed in a red pantsuit like she's Hillary Clinton, is getting ready to take off on her bike to meet Garrett at the celebration. And her dad, like, freaks out over the explosion, which is reasonable because those were in no way fireworks. But obviously Captain Walker has some sort of, like, explosion-related PTSD, which has come up a few times now. And if you're ever wondering whether that's ever explored later in the show, it's not. We never find out what his problem Mm. is. Okay, neat. He does. He he seems to have a lot of fear. He seems to have a lot of fear about explosions, um, but also in general. And then Callie wants her dad to show her the sights, and he points out from the sub the quote unquote old Walker estate, which is apparently all boarded up now. We don't see it, and apparently this is their family home. Uh, and he asks if she'll walk him through it. Uh, But it seems like he's not leaving the boat. He's, quote unquote, too many memories. Yeah. So it's interesting that this is the only place left, and yet he just stays on his sub. He won't go on land at all. Yeah. Because it does does seem like the only place left is the sub. (laughs) Which, in theory, could just float around anywhere. I mean, I don't see why it has to be moored at the Swan's Crossing waterfront, but okay. Right. Yeah, he says, too many memories, and Callie points out that they're his memories, not hers. And then Captain Walker cryptically says, he's glad she hasn't inherited his fears. And then Callie says, what is up with Captain Walker? But then Callie says, not all of them. Ooh, possible (laughs) foreshadowing. Ah. Oh, by the way, can we take a moment to give a big fat shout out to Stacey Mosley, who listens to our podcast and for some reason enjoys it. Yeah, yeah. the gal who played Callie got in touch with me to let me know that she thoroughly enjoyed it, and she apparently laughed at the the big build-up to the fact, the reveal that it was on a sub in the first episode. She was like, ha-ha, prepare to surface. (laughs) I love this woman. She's my favorite thing on Twitter. (laughs) Wow. Wow, thank you, Stacey. Amazing. Uh, So then we're in Sydney's bedroom, where she still has not figured out what she's going to wear tonight. Uh, she's trying on a jacket that makes her look like she just stepped off the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yep, it is definitely not the one she picked out with Sandy. No, 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 no. 
But Sandy does kind of run in and she's dressed in like American flag themed athleisure wear with a weird sheer shirt over the top of it. And she got the blush yep. Sydney asked for. But now Sydney's in some kind of navy and white floral getup and the blush is no longer needed. <laughs> and Sandy has been used and abused yet again. And she does another, like, very specific take to the camera, which I think is quickly becoming my favorite thing that Sandy does. <laughs> she just sort of looks at the viewer like, can you believe yeah. this shit? It's great. <laughs> yep. And then we see... Nathan, the moment you've been waiting for, Sophia, driving around in her awesome 1950s convertible. It's so wonderful. Uh, yeah, so so Jimmy and Sophia are in the front seats of the convertible, and in the back seat, Bobby is doing some sort of meditation. I'm not sure what's going on there. In the in the convertible, they just, uh, Callie on the bike passes them. Jimmy talks Sophia into chasing after this biker. Yeah, which is but first, but first, Bobby slash Saja says that was her again, wasn't it, Jimmy? And that like makes Sophia suspicious, and she's like, "Who is this girl that Jimmy is interested in?" So probably important to point out here, even though it's never explicitly stated until several episodes later, Jimmy is actually dating Sophia, like their boyfriend girlfriend at this point. Okay, Jimmy is, I think, supposed to be about fifteen, and she's seventeen, and obviously really into sex. If her innuendos or anything to go by so this is quite a coup right. for jimmy but instead of answering yeah. sophia's question about what other girl he's lusting after he deflects with another quasi-sexual car reference and sophia is goaded into sexily driving off at medium speed well you don't want to run over the swans right obviously. exactly you got to obey that you got to yield to the swans crossing sign oh although saja does throw himself backwards to simulate rapid acceleration so that was fun are we calling him Saja or are we calling him Bobby? We're calling him Saja because here's the thing. Everyone in town, as soon as he declares that his identity is Saja and this is who he is, props to everybody in, in Swan's Crossing. They're all just like, okay, you're Saja now. So okay, all right. strangely progressive uh, for, for that era, probably not in the way they intended to be. But who knows if uh, some kid in 1992 who was struggling with questions of their own identity didn't watch this and go, Hey, everybody accepted that Saja is Saja, so I'm whoever. <laughs> so, good right. on you, Swan's Crossing, go. for inadvertently being progressive. <laughs> so, then we cut to a flashing computer screen. Se security breach detected! And once again, we see the entirety of the Western Hemisphere highlighted. And of course, it's the Baldies, the white, guy, white guys from the fictional European country where everyone wears turbans. But the, they've now narrowed it down. It is in this scene that they have narrowed the search down to North America. <laughs> yes. yes. They're just on one single continent now. And, and they are able mm -hmm. to get a wicked 90s computer effect to zoom in on, like, the continental United States for just a second. And then the computer says it can't track further because a shielding device was in use. So maybe we have to Google again. When was McAfee invented? Remember that? Right. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Uh -uh. And th th this seems to be very upsetting to them to the point where they rip off their turbans and we discover that they're both bald. Yes, they're both bald and very white. And they use their turbans to beat the computer. They're like hitting the computer with their turbans while yelling nonsense words. It's great. And then, we, then we cut to the only shot of Garrett that we get before the end of the episode. Yeah, isn't this weird? He's riding his motorbike while holding a parrot. Yes. And... As a person who has owned many motorcycles, <laughs> I would like to unequivocally say, this is not safe. 
I want to know if that was really Shane McDermott or if they used a stunt double like Shane. Get at us. Tell us if you have any memory of riding around on a mini bike with a cockatoo on your arm when you were a child. <laughs> right. And also, I would very much like to know how they got it to stay there. I would like to know that, too. So okay. after that uh, baffling scene of, of Garrett riding around with, with the cockatoo on his arm, uh, we get we go to the title sequence. And when we come back... We got four new fake swans. Four new fake swans, all right. When we come back, we're, yep. we're back to JT Neal and the coach, and they're talking over that sick explosion they just set off, which was not fireworks at all. Nope. And Glory comes up and says uh, there are monstrously huge hamburgers available, and JT is, like, ready to go because he may be perennially torn between Glory and Neal, but one thing he's never torn about, and that's eating hot dogs and hamburgers. Yep. Also, can we talk about Glory's hat? Yeah, let's let's get into Glory's hat. It is of blossom proportions. It's amazing. I mean, it's not super wide brim, straw looking hat with uh I don't even I don't even know how to describe this hat. The point is there's a huge pink flower on it. Yeah. And it's wonderful. It is wonderful. And you know, I had a hat very similar to that in nineteen ninety-two. <laughs> <laughs> The, like, weird of sort of country Little House on the Prairie-esque hat with a gigantic floral feature on it was definitely a thing in, in a preteen girl fashion in that era. So yep. Glory was looking sharp as hell. Yeah. And uh, so Glory wants him to go get burgers, and Coach and JT, or Coach and Neil seem to want him to stay. And can we, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Does the coach remind you of Bill Pullman? Oh, I mean, now he kind of does, now that you say it. Right? He's like a Bill Pullman of that era. A Sorry? Bill Pullman type. Yeah. Every time I see him, I when I look away and then I look back, I'm like, is that Bill Pullman? And I'm like, no, it's not Bill Pullman. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, Neil reminds JT that he just ate. JT's like, only the hot dogs. <laughs> he says it so sadly, like with deep regret, only hot dogs. <laughs> oh my god. That makes me want a hot dog now. Oh man. Oh, that does sound really good. Uh, Glory's super sad because even burgers weren't enough to lure him away from Neil this time. And she looks legit crushed. Yeah, we get sad music. I wouldn't call it sexy sax music, but it is yeah, sad. Yeah, I think it's starting to dawn on Glory that JT is in love with Neil. Although I think maybe Glory realizes that JT may not recognize it yet himself, but she's like, cannot compete with this. Yeah, it, it's difficult. It's difficult because JT does seem hornier for the burgers than he does for Glory. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, listen, a good burger will do it for you. What can I say? <laughs> That's right. Glory decides that she's going to go over to Sydney's house instead and give her some moral support because everyone knows Sydney is still frantic over the coming of Mila. Right. So uh, then we, we see and Owen, who's still deep in his practice pad. He mm -hmm. ignores JT when JT, JT tries to talk to him. And the guy who I, I guess is the lead singer from Roxanne says, hey, where's your girlfriend? Why would the band Roxanne know who Owen's girlfriend is anyway? They're strangers to this town. Owen is confused and the guy... Also, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it, it seems like Owen... Yeah, Owen hasn't realized that Sandy isn't there yet. Yeah, he has no idea. And he's all like, what? And the guy makes it clear he's talking about Sandy. And then Owen's like, oh, she's not here yet. The guy's like, go find her. And then Owen has this like dawning on him. 
like, yeah, maybe I should. Like, it, he never thought about it before to consider Sandy as a romantic prospect. And also, the way the way that the band guy reminds Owen of who Sandy is is by dinging a very large triangle. <laughs> Which, if you remember from our last episode, that is uh, Sandy's instrument of choice. It is. And I'm going to put another ping sound effect right here. Okay. <laughs> As Owen walks off, he crosses in front of Muffy Rutledge and her assistant, who are walking around kind of overseeing the preparations for the festival. The assistant mentions that Grant Booth got legit insurance coverage this time, so everything will be fine, just fine, which is definitely something you should trust at this point. Also, just the fact that they're talking about that there is insurance makes you go... What's gonna go wrong? Yeah, indeed. Grant Booth strolls up and hands over, I, I guess it's like paperwork or something to, to somebody as proof that they're fully covered by insurance. The guy looks at Grant's letterhead and says, Established 1823, are you the oldest family in town? And Grant goes, Yes, not counting the swans who don't count anymore. And he also disses the Rutledge family and Muffy overhears it. Yeah, yeah. It is at this point that I noticed what is happening with the camera. <laughs> It looks like they've put some sort of sun shield over it so that the top corners of the frame are black. Oh, yeah, that must have been a sun shield. I noticed that, too. I was like, why does the TV program have tunnel vision at this point? Yeah, because it's not in the lower it's not in the lower corners of the frame. It's just the top two corners. <laughs> um, fortunately, I've seen no boom mics uh, in several episodes. Darn. So I miss them. <laughs> we did have a listener request that... Perhaps we could keep track of boom mic appearances and also flubbed lines that are never fixed. Oh, which okay. I think is probably right. a good thing to begin counting now because uh, they do increase as, <laughs> as the show goes on. <laughs> oh wow! Um, the only the only flubbed the only flubbed line I or actually I'm not even sure that it's a flubbed line, but the one that I remember is Sophia's like cracking up in her first scene. <laughs> Just obviously, like, losing it for a second and then moving on. That's really good. <laughs> so good. So Muffy's assistant tries to get her to calm down, and she says, Oh, yeah, right, I'm just tired because I've been up at the crack of dawn because Sydney has been freaking out all morning about Mila. And the guy says, Perhaps she's just excited about the new celebrity coming to town. And Muffy's like, That's nonsense. Kids these days don't care about celebrities. Since when? Come on. And then we immediately cut to Sydney getting eye drops from Sandy in an extreme close-up. Oh, it's so awful. I hated this part. It's like body horror because it's seriously just like Sarah Michelle Gellar's huge pride open eyeball. And then like the sound of eye drops falling down and hitting her eye. And it's just, oh God, I hated it so much. And she's trying to clear up her quote unquote bloodshot eyes because she's she's so worried about stacking up to Mila. Um she's also in a different outfit. Every time we cut away from this scene, she's in a different outfit. It's yes. amazing. Yes. The costume department was really working hard for this one. Sydney holds up another outfit, by the way, in addition to being in a different one now, declares she hates it. She kind of throws it over her shoulder. And Sandy catches it and sort of drops the hint that, like, oh, if you're going to get rid of it, she'll take her cast-offs. Sydney will not give her shit, though. She's like, no, nope. I'm not getting rid of it yet. <laughs> and Sandy Sandy tries to leave, and Sydney's like, no, you can't abandon me now, and starts giving her orders like she's a maid. Right. Like, find my shoes, plug my rollers in. 
uh, and it's unbelievable. I don't understand why anyone in this town puts up with Sydney's bullshit. She is mm-hmm. terrible. Ah! So some someone knocks at the door. This is my favorite line in the whole episode. Someone knocks at the door. It's Glory, of course. She comes in, looks at Sandy face to face right in front of her and says, Sandy, hi, it's me. <laughs> it's so good. Just in case you thought it was a Scooby-Doo villain with a glory mask on. It's really her. Right. And then she is quickly followed by this person we have not met yet and whose name we do not learn in this episode. I still don't know this person's name. Can you tell me this person's yes, name? Yes, this is Nancy. And Nancy. an honest-to-God trumpet fanfare it plays as she enters Sydney's bedroom like she is Kate fucking Middleton. It's so great. Nancy is dressed in a blazer with pearls and very large earrings. And her first line is, it's me, everybody's favorite gal, back from a fabulous vacation in sunny Aruba. <laughs> that is how they've chosen to introduce Nancy. <laughs> Sandy does this incredible take straight into the camera again, like, can you believe this bitch? (laughs) I love it. Mm -hmm. Oh, Sandy makes some random comment, I don't know, and Nancy just sarcastically disses the hell out of her. So we have now established that Nancy is even more of a shitty, conniving, mean-spirited little turd than Sydney is. It's truly incredible. The 90s were Uh, a rough time to be a girl. Like, this is what we had to look up to. All of our aspirational figures were female characters who treated other female characters like garbage. Uh, Sydney comes back in like this girl has not been away, does not greet her, does not say anything. She's wearing a new outfit. Has Sandy button or zip her up like again she's some sort of maid nancy says she looks ravishing like a movie star to which sydney very pointedly responds there are no stars in swan's crossing (laughs) and then we get this incredible (laughs) take to the camera and this like low music (laughs) (laughs) yeah and Nancy, like, Nancy gives this great comeback uh, because she, there's this moment where you kind of, like, see Nancy's face and she's clearly cluing into the fact that it was the wrong thing to say, to mention movie stars to Sydney. But I don't think Nancy knows about Mila at this point. But now she's got right. Sydney's number, right? Like, she's so conniving that she instantly knows Sydney's Achilles heel. And um, she covers over her moment of evil scheming by saying, well, if any stars do appear, I know you know just how to bring them down to Earth. Then Nancy asks for all the sordid details um, because she's just trying to, like, pump it out of the other girls because she knows it'll just freak Sydney out even more to like hear about what's going on like who's coming to town and then we cut back to the convertible uh saja is in the backseat meditating sophie and there is a long shot wherein sophie and jimmy keep stealing glances at each other while she's driving it's very distracting and she brings the car to a screeching halt and asks jimmy if he is chasing someone else (laughs) Uh, duh sophia (laughs) yeah yeah, in your car oh. with you driving. Oh my god. But then, um, uh, so they basically, I, I guess this this thought of Jimmy potentially being interested in another girl has, like, fired everyone up. Because Sophia and Jimmy basically kick Saja out of the car so they can, like, make out or something. So then right. Sophia asks Jimmy if he still wants a ride. And he's like, sure, And then we not? get the sexy sex. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess before the 4th of July celebration, Jimmy got laid, apparently. Well done, Jimmy. Way to go, buddy. (laughs) 
Also, can I point out that Sophia is wearing driving yeah. gloves and it's amazing. She is. She's got driving gloves and like a, a blue silk scarf around her hair like it is still the 1950s. Like she goes it's all the way with her with her 50s car. Back in Sydney's room, she's explaining to all the girls that just because she's a star, because Mila's a star, she's going to expect everyone to fawn all over her. And Sydney is like pissed about this. She doesn't want anyone to be the center of attention except her. So Nancy's like, all right, well, what are we going to do to Mila to keep her in her place? And girls really are this scheming and evil, or at least they were back then. Sydney says they're going to totally ignore Mila and pretend like she doesn't exist. And Nancy says she'll learn that sw- to keep her in her place, specifically. Like, that'll put her in her place. And Nancy says yes, and she'll learn that Swan's Crossing just isn't one of those places. <laughs> Some bad syntax in this line. <laughs> yep. And Glory finally has just, like, had enough of Sydney endlessly trying on outfits. She's like, you look fine, let's get out of here. But Sydney won't leave yet. Obviously the only sensible one Clearly, in clearly, my god. Or at least, you know, the only one who anyone will listen to, because Sandy's been trying to get her to cut this shit out for days now. But right. Sydney won't leave yet, and finally she says, from what Garrett's told me about Mila, I can't just look great. I've got to look perfect. And my notes say... Sandy rolls her eyes so hard it reverses the direction of the Earth's spin. <laughs> this is a really good eye roll. <laughs> and then she gets hit with clothes flying over the rack from Sydney still trying to find the outfit that she oh, wants. Oh God, poor Sandy! All she has is her. Fortunately. <laughs> Fortunately, they finally arrive in downtown, and Sydney has settled on a red and white striped vest. And what appears to be a black skirt. Oh, yeah. She looks straight up bizarre. Um, my notes actually say, apparently the girls have wrestled Sydney into a Carnival Barker's outfit. <laughs> it is like a weird... Yeah, it's so weird. It's this like boldly red and white striped double-breasted waistcoat thing. And, and you expect her to have like a little straw hat on. And you expect her to be standing up on a crate saying, right this way. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy taunts Sydney by reminding her that Garrett said Mila has bigger boobs than Sydney's. And I just love how evil Nancy is. She's a classic soap it's- villain. Just like being a piece of shit purely for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the exact phrasing of the line, I think, is actually very good because Nancy's line is, Garrett said her figure is like yours, only more of it. <laughs> more of it. <laughs> ah. <sighs> so Sydney is like just nervously looking around constantly and she tells all the girls to look for a girl with dark hair who's dressed in red. So then, of course, Callie rolls up on her bike in her red trench coat dress thingy Hillary Clinton get up and takes off her helmet. She spots Saja doing some kind of martial arts thing in the park. Uh, He kicks a tree, which is a thing I saw 14-year-old boys do all the time when I was that age. And Callie yells at him to unblock his chi and let it flow. Yeah, I do want to pause for a moment because that's not how chi works, as I understand. (laughs) Um, I actually just watched a whole video on the problems with the Disney Mulan. Oh, I'm sure there are many. <laughs> and there's, there's this, oh, many, many. But there's a whole section about how Chi works. Yeah. And I, I think, I'm trying to remember the name of the YouTube. Hang on, let, let me get okay. this so we can, we can credit the right person. Uh, oh no, I'm going to butcher this name. <laughs> Do your best. 
Ziran J Zhao. How's it spelled? X I R A N J A Y Z H A O. Okay. Is her uh her YouTube channel. Uh everything culturally wrong with Mulan 2020 and how they could have been fixed. Sweet. Oh, I'm going to check that out. It sounds interesting. Anyway, so uh Un- unblocking your chi problematic and we get that horrible like eastern music uh, stinger yeah we always get that with saja unfortunately so uh the unblock mm-hmm. the getting chi wrong is not not the worst of the terrible asian american <laughs> slaughtering of, of cultural references in this show then we get some swans for no reason i think there were six of them Want to add wait wait wait, wait 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 Callie, Callie puts her helmet back on and zooms off, meaning she has stopped in her motorcycle ride to instruct this person on how to kick better. <laughs> how to kick trees better. <laughs> how to kick trees better. <laughs> Dendritic violence. Yeah. Ooh, maybe that's the title of this episode. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just, uh, real quick though, I will say uh, his form uh, as a martial artist does not look bad to me. I'm I'm not a very good martial artist myself, but he does look like he knows what he's oh, doing. Okay. Well, so. may- maybe Alex Tanaka studied some uh, form of martial arts. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get so, some swans for no reason, like for a split second, and then we're back to the pier. And the girls are trying to interest Sydney in literally anything but Mila. But she's walking around like all dazed and horrified. The band, which may or may not be Roxanne, is playing, but they are playing the immortal jam from the previous episode, Never Give Up. It's just an instrumental version. Like over and over again. Which is which is good because I would I, it would be terrible if we didn't get that theme back. I would. I mean, I would miss it for sure. Then we run into Jimmy, who's already setting up Mike. So I guess that was a quickie he had with Sophia in her in her car. <laughs> I mean, listen, when you're with a 15 year old boy, you're 15. Everything's a quickie. <laughs> yep. Sydney asks where Garrett is. No one knows. And Sandy says almost sarcastically, "Should we look for Garrett now, Sydney?" <laughs> implying that Sydney has not stopped scanning for Mila all this time, like a lioness on mm-hmm. the savannah. <laughs> JT comes up, and they tell him to keep an eye out for Mila. He's like, okay, well, what are we supposed to do then? And the girls are like, nothing. <laughs> That's it. We're gonna do nothing. And Owen comes up, reminding Sandy of her triangle job. <laughs> and and they're like, Owen, we're looking for someone. The band, in this, the band is at this point standing behind them in the shot. And I am so distracted <laughs> by the fact that they're not playing. <laughs> they're, they're all moving like they're playing. But none of the fingering or the, inst- the way that they're holding the instruments works. Oh my god, I love it. It's so great. Owen gets super mad because Sandy just says, we're looking for someone. He gets pissed as hell, like out of proportion, because Sandy didn't instantly drop what she was doing and run after him. And he says, me too. And I thought I'd found her. And he flounces away. And my notes say, I hate Owen so much. He's a very special boy. He is a real special critter. Neil's chattering to the coach about rocketry and how rad it is. It is pretty rad, to be fair. Uh, Coach What's-His-Name guesses that the big secret project he and JT have been working on is all about rocketry, and Neil tries to deflect a little. It's a secret. Yep. Does the coach also teach science? I don't know. (laughs) Sure. Let's go with yes. All right. He's the the coach and the science teacher, and he's also in charge of the fireworks display for the 4th of July. I don't think any of this is ever explained, but I think we can make that head cannon. (laughs) We cut to the computer screen again, and at first you think it's going to be the Baldies, but it's a couple of American dudes with slicked back hair, and one of them says, look at that, 
trouble in the good old U.S. of A. To which the other one responds, right, but which part of it? (laughs) Because it is a flashing on the computer screen. It's just that continental United States. just all of the good old U.S. of A. And then they just stare at each other for a really long time, which was hilarious to me for some reason. (laughs) Well, listen, to be fair, computers were really slow back then. I can't remember. It might have taken this long to figure out just what the hell was going on and where. I mean, it took this long to download a photo, so I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I I do. Here's a tidbit of my past I'm not sure you knew about. I don't know. Maybe you did. But did you know I was married once before Paul? I did not. Yeah, know that. and my first husband was actually a signals intelligence analyst at the NSA. Only about like seven years after Swan's Crossing happened, and I like to imagine—I know—and <laughs> I like to imagine that this is how he did his job: just pointing at a computer screen that flashed Tron-like <laughs> graphics and saying "trouble" in the good old U.S. of A. If that's true, oh gosh, will if you're that. out there, and if you <laughs> listen to my stupid podcast, get at me and let me know. <laughs> I assume it's the exact same. Thing. I'm sure. JT is still taking Sydney to task for planning to ignore Mila because he's like, that's not cool. She's new to our town. That's cruel. And she's just ignoring JT. So it's effective, JT. See? Right. And then they spot. And then they spot Callie, who they think is Mila. Coming through the crowd in her red trench dress with her dark hair. And they all are like, holy shit, it's Mila. Sydney organizes them all to pretend like they're deep in some lame conversation and don't care at all about anything going on around them. And then... Libby, I I have to confess, this is the point where I I do not like uncomfortable humor slash situations. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that I cannot watch The Office. Oh, Sorry, I what? don't like The Office either. Maybe that's why. It, it is uncomfortable. Humor that is based on people being in uncomfortable situations is extremely disturbing to me. And this moment in this show was the exact point that I started to experience that. And for all of our listeners, it just gets worse. So hang on. Oh, yeah. Strap in. Because for no apparent reason, as soon as she spots who she thinks is Mila... Sydney does a total 180 on her plan and starts freaking out about Mila acting like she's Mila's biggest fan. Like, she runs up to her and she's like, Mila! Oh, Mila Rosnovsky, I can't believe it's you, you're really here! The other girls are clearly totally confused by this strange shift in the plan. Right, this is the opposite of the yeah, plan. but they fall in quickly and they're all just, like, mobbing Callie, who's trying to get a word in edgewise and tell them that she is not this Mila person. Has not said anything to them you yet. can't, they're all like, ah! <laughs> She's like, what the hell, man? Yeah. Neil is trying to get the celebration rolling with some announcements and he's so awkward and it's very cute and funny. He's just, like, trying to get the crowd's attention and he's talking all awkwardly from his notes and it, it was adorable. We still have not met Neil's parents. No. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say they were thinking about Neil's public presentation skills and that's why they've asked their child to do the advertisement for the family company uh, which is matching donations to the Ladies Improvement Society. That, that could be. They're like, you need some experience with this kid. Get out there and do it. He's clearly very Shout out to philanthropists, <laughs> philanthropists out there. Yeah. Thank you, Ladies Improvement Society. Sydney yeah. runs up and snatches the microphone from Neil, and she makes a big introduction of Mila to the whole crowd, but it's still Callie. And she just, just as she says the name Mila Rosnovsky, Garrett comes out of the crowd leading the real Mila, who is nothing like the way he described her to Sydney. She is blonde and dressed in yes, pink. Yes, she's got blonde hair. Of course, she's very pretty because everyone in this town is, and she's not wearing red for sure. Callie gives Garrett this look that says she knows he was behind the mistaken identity. 
And then Owen pushes through the crowd, looks up at Mila in this weird alternate vision of her. <laughs> where she like appears to him. It's like, it's kind of like that scene in Wayne's World, which is probably a movie that's old enough that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast never saw it either, which makes me feel ancient, truly. But it's like the Dreamweaver scene in Wayne's World <laughs> where he just like sees her through an alternate reality and Mila looks like someone got to her with a bedazzler and just covered her in rhinestones. You remember those glamour shots people used to get in the 80s and 90s? Yes, I do. Because I feel like this is the film equivalent of a glamour shot. She yeah. is like hair in the breeze and it's all like teased out and she's absolutely bedazzled. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And it lasts three seconds it does it's hilarious though right but yeah that is a perfect description i mean oh my god it is uh it's something else owen's vision of of mila is like oh so sydney demands of callie why didn't you tell me before and nancy snidely says before you made a fool of yourself in front of all of swan's crossing very cool sydney very cool <laughs> nancy is stone cold nancy is such a villain. She's Cruella DeVille Jr. I love it. <laughs> it's amazing. Sydney screams, How could you? at Garrett so loud that the microphone squeals. <laughs> Just Garrett says nothing. Garrett has not spoken a word this entire episode. No, he's just smirking. And then Sydney says, I feel really faint. I think everything's tilting. And then JT who is casually leaning on Jimmy while he delivers this line, says, Don't be a jerk, Sydney. The towers are falling. I'm not sure what the towers are for, <laughs> but they are starting to fall. People start to panic and run. Neil's fireworks control gets dropped on the ground. Someone steps on it. Quote, unquote, the fireworks start to go off. It's more dynamite. <laughs> uh Things start burning. The band just keeps playing. Yes, everyone's screaming and freaking out, and the band keeps playing Never Give Up. And it reminded me of the band on the Titanic playing Nearer My God to right. Me while the ship sank. And the coach grabs the microphone and is all like, stay calm, do not panic. I want to point out that until the very last moment of the episode, the tower's falling effect is done entirely with camera angles. Yes. Yeah. Nothing is falling. It's all just... Uh, but we see a safety cable kind of pop out of the wood that it's it's anchored into. And it then this tower does actually seem to begin falling very slowly at that moment. Freeze frame, credits, end of episode. Yes, that's it. It just ends on this, like, screaming and this tower plunging into the water and everything in chaos. Ah! Also... Have a good weekend, middle schoolers. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, for no apparent reason, I actually watched the credits all the way through on this one, and the Periscope Swan gets a shout-out in the credits. <gasps> yeah. Oh, no. I did not get that one. I need to add that to the Swan count. I, now well, I have to watch it, all it the was credits. just text, so I don't think it really counts for the Swan count. But it, oh, it, okay. It, so we did not see. Yeah, but it was made by Birds in Wood Studio of Meriden, Connecticut. Huh. All right. Well, wow, Nathan. It was uh, an action-packed episode right at the end there. It really was. This is easily the most uncomfortable I have been during a Swan's Crossing episode so far. You're going to get more uncomfortable. I hate to tell you that, but um, oh but it'll gosh. be worth it. It'll be worth it. I promise you. Jeez. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, so tell me, who who is your pick for most psychotic this week? 
Oh, it's definitely Sydney, largely because we can't see Garrett most of the episode. I mean, he's only in like two very short scenes and he doesn't say anything. I think a case could also be made for Nancy. Yeah, I mean, Nancy's kind of always baseline that psychotic, though. It's not anything unusual for her. But I have to say, I'm torn. I, it was a toss-up for me between Sydney and Owen, because the way Owen reacts to Sandy just saying no to him once is straight-up crazy. Like, he, right? he hates her yeah. now because she wouldn't follow him around. <laughs> The right. He also falls extremely quickly for Mila. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does, buddy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am so interested to hear your predictions for the next episode because no matter how insane your predictions may be, I can promise you, you are not prepared for the spectacle you are about to witness. This is the point oh where, much like Ozzy, the whole show just goes straight off the rails on the crazy train. So I'm going to mute so no one can hear me kneel typing and lay it on me. Okay. First of all, something goes wrong with the insurance and they are or aren't going to cover it. I don't know what's happening there, but I don't think we've built up the insurance thing this much without there being some sort of problem. Sydney decides she's never going to talk to Garrett again. And Garrett is very thrilled with himself for having pulled this off. And Owen tries to connect with Mila in some sort of extremely awkward way. And I hope we get more of Nancy just like just like rubbing salt in Sydney's open wounds about being betrayed by Garrett. Callie, I'm very I'm very interested to see what Callie's gonna do if she like writes off Garrett entirely and is now trying to hang out with ba with Saja and I'm not sure what's going to go on with uh with JT and Glory but I feel like we're going to we're going to narrow the computer search down from North America to like the eastern seaboard <laughs> that's what I think and I'm not sure I I I want to say there will be tech shenanigans from JT and Neil. I'm not sure what type of tech shenanigans. I'm hoping it's either computers or they go back to doing a rocket thing. So it's one of those two things. And I hope there's a there's a good scene in Swan's Cafe. That's my those are my predictions for next time. Okay. Well, I have a surprise for you. Next week, you have to watch episodes 6 and 7 together. We're going to cover them together because uh, well, you will understand why within a few minutes of watching episode six. That's all I'm going to say for now. Okay. It's uh, excellent. Yeah. Six and seven together. I can do that. And uh, I suppose uh, until we meet again, faithful listeners, I, I hope you find the right outfit for all of your pressing social engagements. Um, I hope like Nancy did in Aruba, you remember to put on sunscreen because um, as Nancy pointed out, which we didn't cover, but Nancy uh, reminds wow. Sandy that even 14 year olds can get wrinkles. So protect yourself from the sun. There is so much body shaming. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the 90s. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of the oh Wild West gosh. of body shaming back then. <laughs> and uh, until we meet again, may, may all of your identities never be mistaken for other people. We really need to come up with a, a good sign-off, don't we? We do. Like, Let's workshop this a little bit. Um, thank you for listening. May all your swans be real. Um, <laughs> Thank you for listening. 
the vault thing we could we could go back to the vault thing having the sun in the vault listeners <laughs> thank you for listening may all your innuendos be underscored by sax music <laughs> Listeners, get at us on the social medias and tell us how we should sign off this show. Which is a thing how we should we sign off? We're now. very bad at this. <laughs> We're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod. And um, oh, I can't remember the. Listen, I posted the email address on Twitter and Instagram. Just go find it there. <laughs> Stacy, Stacy Mosley, tell us how we should end our podcast. We're counting on you, Callie. You're the only person with a lick of sense in the whole town of Swans Crossing. So true. So true. And it's because you live on a submarine. (laughs) All right. Until next week. Bye-bye. Everybody's favorite gal, back from a fabulous vacation in sunny Aruba.